Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Dave Clay. So, whether it is a matter of growing up and acting your age, which is kind of going to date me generationally, or uh, maybe more late or recent generations is adulting, uh, people should act their age. Uh, And with that, we're not only talking about chronological age, of course, we're talking about psychological maturity, what one's psychological age should be as well. And should you ask, well, I did not even know about psychological age. What do you mean by that? That's what today's podcast is on. Generativity in Psychology Today, April of 2022 by Susan Cross Whitbourne, Ph.D., We often imagine that putting ourselves before others is a sign of weakness, but research suggests it's actually a stealth superpower. The most generative people have better long-term well-being than others. It's often thought that feeling good about yourself derives from being able to look back with pride on your accomplishments, no matter how modest or grand. This focus on individual happiness is often referred to referred to as eudaimonic well-being. But there's another type of well-being that may be more important. Generativity, based on the belief that it's important to care for others, specifically the next generation. People high in this trait are able to put themselves second, and research suggests that it is this cohort who feel more profoundly fulfilled as they progress through life. In a recent study of generativity and well-being, our research team studied 271 participants in the Rochester Adult Longitudinal Study, or short for or better known as RALS, R-A-L-S, across a 12-year period from 2000 to 2012. The findings supported our prediction that people who became more generative over time also grew in their sense of personal fulfillment. Those who didn't, on the other hand, had a declining sense of overall well-being. If your well-being hinges on your sense of generativity, what can you do to enhance it? By definition, when you are highly generative, you care for the next generation. But need those you care for always be younger than you? Couldn't you express your desire to care for people of your own generation? What about caring for people older than you? The benefit derived from putting other people before you counters the idea that well-being can come only from eudaimonic feeling of achieving your own personal goals. Eric Erickson, who first proposed the theory, called the opposite of generativity stagnation. In his model, people who stagnate become more and more self-focused, spending money on endless home redecoration, expensive vacations, and beauty treatments. It may seem counterintuitive that the best way to feel good is not even to think about how good you feel, but our study suggests that it lies in a very different type of pursuit. Again, generativity, Susan Cross Whitbourne, Ph.D., we often imagine that putting others before ourselves is a sign of weakness, But research suggests it's actually a stealth superpower. The most generative people have better long-term well-being than others. 
So, who is <laughs> Eric Erickson, you might ask? Well, Eric Erickson was a theorist, uh, and the contemporaries, Jean Piaget, uh, about that era, probably <laughs> many would call the golden age, so to speak, of psychology, occurred mostly, I believe, in the 20s and 30s. Uh, Eric Erickson proposed, though, that there were many stages, multiple stages, of development that occurs over an individual's lifespan. And uh, that would then otherwise have a psychosocial element. Piaget was more about personal psychological development, uh, whereas Erickson was more about the psychosocial, cognitive Piaget, uh, Erickson psychosocial development. And should it be no surprise to you, <laughs> then, now that I've read you the article and you've listened, that Generativity, or those final stages, uh, according to Erickson, were to lead to one's inclination, desire, ability even, to help other people in this sort of way of generosity, generativity, giving something back, so to speak. And that as much that were in distinction to earlier stages of one's development, again, across a single lifespan, the early stages were all about development of self. And in that sort of way, it's kind of opposite. Instead of being generous, you're very selfish. Instead of focusing on helping other people, or uh, sharing, or contributing, or donating, <laughs> enhancing, all those great adjectives, uh, when it comes to then selflessness, being able to help other people, concern even about other people, those are going to come later in life. Uh, earliest stages of development is when <laughs> others do that for you. And that does make sense because when you're a child, infant, childhood, even adolescence, moving into early adulthood, it takes a lot. And the more resources we have, the more that care about us, the more that otherwise maybe represent previous generations that in that have found themselves in a place of stability, having accomplished those earliest stages, they have a better platform then to be able to share with others, to give back, so to speak. And with that, then, nobody had any problems. <laughs> because as you grew older, you just realized when you had kids or when you had a family and you put all that together, then you became more interested in others simply because you had more and they needed more and that was just the natural order of things. There's a recognition, hopefully appreciation, somewhere along the way that you can't take it with you when you go. Maybe that's also part of it. And the mortality, knowing that there are limits to any person's life, uh, you would just prepare yourself, uh, find it joyful, find it meaningful, purposeful to be able to give back. And basically, Erickson just didn't theorize this. He studied. It was also based on research. And uh, this was the norm. This was the prototype of not only an individual's development, as with from infancy through old age to the point of one's death, 
you moved along this, again, continuum of more selfish, self-focus, to the accomplishment of a sense of who you are, uh, identity, becoming the individual, actualizing all of that inherent genetic potential, the psychosocial element being, though, that it can't really happen without the proper supports. Again, that's where Erickson's model is a psychosocial one because if you had the right supports, <laughs> older individuals in your life, if your parents had gotten to that place in their life where they knew who they were and they were able to sort of establish themselves uh, with some degree of success. <laughs> they were still living. They were at a point where they had the resources to have kids. They were able to, uh, in that way, uh, give back immediately, maybe to their children, but then even as they get older, it's grandchildren, and then it becomes community, etc., etc. It's all psychosocial. It has a social dimension to it. But what we have found, though, is that articles such as what I read you out of Psychology Today, April of 2022, seems to suggest that maybe it's not going quite so much according to Erickson's proposal uh, of normal, the different stages that he, the various stages, and it's a progressive, probably didn't need to say that, but will, dimension. But with most developmental, if not all developmental models, regardless of what you're looking at, in order to get to the next stage, you have to finish the preceding stage. And if there's multiple stages, then you work through them in some succession. It doesn't mean that there can't be overlap. It doesn't mean that at a particular point in time, maybe based on resource alone, uh, if I say it that way, then it can be social as well as material resource, people around you to help, as well as just the <laughs> ability to survive. Enough of the basic things that are necessary for survival, food, water, shelter. Individuals, though, would progress. They would accomplish those milestones unless there was some reason to get stuck. And with that, stagnation. And that's what the article reference was this idea that somewhere along the line people could get stuck. Uh, another way that we've come to describe it in psychological terms is arrested development. And uh, with that fixation, we're fixed, we're not moving forward. And as much as that may not be happening <laughs> quite so easily or readily according to Erickson's model, uh, not saying that that was the end all or the final sort of proclamation or statement of humanity or the best humanity could be. Maybe, maybe it doesn't capture the golden age of humanity much like I described it capturing the golden age of psychology. But this notion, though, is that once a template's in place, it gives you a baseline. And then if we move off of that too much, and we could then somehow longitudinally, not only over the course of a lifespan, which we've discussed mostly within that context at this point in the podcast today, this notion of maturing, developing generativity. But it speaks to our relationship with others in a more societal manner or way and the culture that goes along with that. But if we're looking at that now and saying, wait a minute, we have to remember, <laughs> maybe something is not right. Maybe something has gone a bit wrong. Maybe we've fallen into some sort of pattern that has rendered us, for whatever reason, personally, individually, uh, maybe in terms of psychosocial, maybe material, social dimensions of available resource, but we're stagnant. 
And maybe so, there's another word the article doesn't mention, but I will. You could see this in context of potential regression. Not only are you not progressing, moving forward developmentally, but you might actually individually, in a societal, cultural sort of way, moving backward. And when you start to look at it that way, we may indeed be seeing some measure of apex. Uh, we've reached the pinnacle, and now we're in decline. And I don't know that that's the natural order of things, decline. <laughs> no, we like to look at it that way because, again, in material context, everything has a specified period of existence, and usually the front is about something very similar to what we're talking again about on the podcast, discussing again on the podcast today. Uh, a lot of front-end energy on the maturation, the intense sort of stages of early development. Uh, we get to a place of plateauing, uh, sustainability, and then <laughs> we decline. But whether you see that as a universal archetype, maybe. I think you could make that case. But it doesn't mean, though, that even as much the individual may go through that, our society would have to suffer decline or our culture. <laughs> Maybe we could all get really good at giving, being generous in this kind of manner, or if this is a prototype of how it's supposed to be, what it looks like, then if we all do our part, if we're not only facilitative of others, but if those that were with us when we were growing up, when we were maturing, going through those earliest stages, did what they needed to do, then quite possibly we live in a very generous society. We live in a culture of generativity, of giving to others that didn't have to be compromised. There'd be some selfishness, but for the most part, it'd be overwhelmingly generous. And with that, plenty of resource to go around. But already, I'm starting to capture descriptively what many people see as the basis for this notion or theory of decline. It doesn't look like that anymore. Individuals don't look like that, and neither really does then our society or culture. If anything, we're trying to make people give something, share something. And though I do believe there's a psychosocial, again, aspect, a social dimension, which means that it's a relationship-driven thing, genetically, implicitly, it's in us all. Erickson would say this, I would still agree with this, that it's in us all to become mature. It's in us all to grow up and act our age. And it's in us all to adult and to do that well. And to be able to, at the finish of our life, freely, generously, abundantly, overwhelmingly give. Not to the point of harming ourselves or not having enough, but in that same sort of way, who could say you could take it with you once more when you go? You can't. So this idea of stagnation kind of begins to capture the real pathological aspects of this. But before we get into that, I want to remind you, our podcast listener, listeners, you're listening to Word with Dave Clay. So this idea of stagnation, fixation, arrested development really suggests we're not maturing. <laughs> we're not progressing. Uh, again, why? Uh, you could talk about that in probably many different ways. Ex uh, include, theorize about that in many different ways, different levels. Uh, 
probably surplus of resource uh, material. Uh, maybe materialism itself discourages individual growth, what we call character or virtue, which maybe is something you are taught and you put on, but again, maybe it's just like this idea of Erickson stages of psychosocial development. Maybe it comes from within you unless something outside of you gets in the way, <laughs> including yourself. Because when we talk about that, it's in you. It may be so core in you, as again, maybe genetics would capture that best. You can do a lot of things to confound that based on experiences, learning, how it forms and shapes your personality, your identity. People can have trauma. Bad things happen to them along the way that would cause them to become fixated and stuck. They may not have been brought up with generous parents. They may have had to, too prematurely, too early in life, find some way to survive, and then they get stuck. Uh, certainly, they've been mature enough to know how to eat and get the basics, the primary drives met, eat, sleep, those kind of things. But maybe they're not prepared to really see that in a given it away sort of way, if only because selfishness was primarily the way they survived. So it's not foolproof, as they used to say, or it isn't that it could just happen no matter what you do or don't do. It is supported by a social, psychological component and peace. But when that doesn't happen, People aren't maturing when they're not getting the resources in manner and way that they need to. Maybe it's just that we don't expect, we don't hold accountable individuals to accomplish hip milestones in the same sort of age range chronologically. Started the podcast with that thought. Chronologically, that Erickson would give, and he does, he provides in his theory there's a range, an age range where this particular milestone should be accomplished. And again, that gives us some good feedback because if a person isn't there yet, then we know they're immature. Their development has been arrested. They're stagnant. But it's not only the chronological age. Again, it doesn't just happen. It has to be fostered, facilitated, supported, and then there are some things that learning does accomplish, if only to the extent that it encourages us to cooperate. This is learned. This is what it's supposed to look like. And so when we get there, we say, well, wait a minute, it doesn't feel all that good, or it still seems a bit confusing from within, even as, again, outside of my genetics, that identity, that sense of self, who I am as a person, my personality might be pushing against that a bit, but I'm going to go ahead and do this because it is the right thing to do. We've noted that Erickson kind of, again, gives us a map. It's Sentinel, tells us about the different stages, gives us an expected end in mind. And again, our society and culture continues to encourage that. But our society and culture is, and that would be psychological development. In that, though, our society and culture really is only as good as the individuals that comprise it. And the level of maturity that they've accomplished and in that regressive sort of way, if we're not making the marks, either chronologically or in terms of psychologically, that maturity that we would expect, those two things aren't synced up in quite the way that Erickson would have proposed, we're going to probably see these kind of declines, global declines, more general declines, 
in social dimension, in cultural context. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yes, aspire to generativity. Know what it is. But if you don't grow up, if you don't learn to face those things that otherwise are, I don't want to call them obstacles, but they are in some ways some discouragement, or if you can't apply the will and allow then in choosing to cooperate, the genetic material to sort of unfold, the development to kind of occur organically as it's naturally supposed to or seems inclined to, according again to Erickson as with their example today, then what you're going to get is you're going to get older people chronologically are going to act like teenagers. You're going to get older people who are not only going to act like teenagers, they're going to act like, I don't know, prepubescent, 12-year-olds, uh, maybe even 10-year-olds or 6-year-olds and 5-year-olds. And again, once more, these are adults. And if your society begins to look like that, you're probably not going to produce much in the way of generativity. It's all going to be selfish. And when it all becomes selfish, then we're going to have all kinds of conflicts, which used to be stereotypically, archetypically um, associated with childhood stuff. <laughs> Who am I? I'm better than you. My mom's better than you. My dad's better than you. My mom and my mom are better than you. However you would see the family constellation. My dad, my dad are better than you. The idea, though, is if we're acting like children... We're not going to be generous. We're not going to give away because we've not gotten to the point. We're not out of selfishness. And maybe it is only psychological in the sense of, and I'll make it, try to make it real simple, in the sense of confidence, faith, courage. Oh, I've been through this before. It's kind of painful. I don't know that I'm going to make it, but I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to blow up, explode. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to go take it from somebody else. I'm not going to throw a temper tantrum and a big fit just to get what I want. I'm going to adult. I'm going to act by age. And according to whom? The best that we have psychologically not my opinion, Eric Erickson's, although my opinion coincides with his, I believe that I would endorse that completely, his model. I was taught that and I found it to be true over all these years of my clinical practice. It holds steadfast and true, except when people get in their stagnation, get stuck. And then all sorts of problems emerge, some of which I've just got through describing, a lot of fight or flight stuff, emotional thinking stuff. But people start living in fantasies, childhood fantasies. They don't think about adult things. They don't think about parenting things. They think about still being a child. They go to, they go to movies and uh, demonstrate this by streaming <laughs> the programming. It's all children's stuff, or at least what we used to consider to be children's stuff. I'm okay with comic characters. I'm also okay with reading a good Space opera is what we used to call it, like Star Wars. You can see it on the movie screen. I'm okay with scary movies. I'm okay with fantasies and cartoons. I'm okay with all of that. But there comes a time when you can't live in that because that's not the world. The world is going by you. You're not maturing 
but everything else is continuing to progress. And though our society and our culture makes it seem like the rest of the world is where we are, that's not necessarily true. There's other parts of the world globally, again, this time literally so, they're learning pretty quick what it takes to be an adult. They're maturing. They're thinking in those terms. And they're looking at somebody who's still hung up on superheroes and Marvel comics. Nothing again against superheroes and Marvel comics, but it just can't be a lifestyle. It's not an Eric Erickson's model of psychosocial development. And you could say, well, let's just throw it out. Let's just rewrite it. And that's fine. I mean, we can do that. I don't know if it's fine or not, but we can do that. But if it doesn't match up to reality, if it doesn't match up to, again, the way the rest of the material world exists, and I said that a little earlier too in today's podcast, that if you look at that, it's attached to a archetypical or sort of prototypical pattern. Things in the beginning are more self-focused until they reach a point of maturation, developmentally in a physiological sort of way and then with that the psychology of it needs to be an acceptance it's time to change I have to learn to give (laughs) I can't keep taking lest I won't allow others around me to continue to progress and maybe the manner and the degree or the extent or the degree to which I go about the methodology and the extended degree I go about getting what I want If it causes other people to get stuck through that notion of trauma or some sort of emotional uh, stressor that freezes them up, makes them scared or afraid to progress, take appropriate risks, go out and experience the real world, they're not going to grow up. And before you know it, our whole society and culture begins to suffer under the weight of that. Now, maybe this is all left best to... uh, social psychologists, to pontificate, to make those adjustments, social engineers, Uh, but it's certainly not left to people who don't understand. The basis of science is set up on precedence. You can't just change something without testing it. And if you test it and it doesn't really hold true in terms of validity, if it's really not reliable, It's sort of like, well, everybody's got an opinion and you've got 50 opinions and they all differ. It's probably not core to what we're really looking for, especially if we're looking at it in terms of equity. We're looking at it as all human beings, not just you or me or a particular country or place on the map or geography as with country uh, and excluding the rest of the world. How childish is that thought? <laughs> How narcissistic. And, and I don't want to sound like I'm being critical of people. I'm part of this society and culture too. I've been contributory like you have. But if someone came to see me, I'd have to somehow call them out on it. And to do that, I would probably bring up Eric Erickson. And I would probably put, point out or place that again within context to what we think would be normal development and where we would see otherwise potential stagnation or fixation and how that represents some form of psychopathology. And I'd want to say, you probably need to be an adult on this. And then we define what that looks like. We define that in terms of the culture, society that we live in. Again, we can't make radical adjustments. We test the theory. Test the theory. 
I'm fine with testing the theory and getting feedback. But if the feedback is you need to mature and grow up, then you need to mature and grow up. If we need to act our age, then we need to act our age. And if that means that we'll be healthier and happier, as the article suggests, then why not do that? So, Generativity by Susan Krauss Whitbourne, Ph.D. We often imagine that putting ourselves or others before ourselves is a sign of weakness, but research suggests it's actually a stealth superpower. The most generative people have better long-term well-being than others. Isn't that what we're after? We want to finish well. We want to feel well about ourselves based on not what we thought we were, not even what we still wish that we were, or might even then, in that sense of non-reality, pretend to be. No! The only thing that really validates us is how well we do life according to the most adaptive of all measures of what that is, more life. If people go around throwing temper tantrums and then go around hurting and harming each other and go around killing one another or arresting one's development or traumatizing each other to the extent that they can't achieve the highest order of self-actualization, you know, again, that plateau, you know, of early adulthood, 21, 22, 23, then we've got problems and they're deep-seated and they're foundational problems. So, if you can't tell, I'd agree completely with the article, but I'd want to put it fully, most fully, within that context of the total of Erickson's model, not just a part of it. Give that some thought. I think it'll make your life a bit better. It might help you see where you are in life and where you need to work on yourself a bit. It may help you to understand where others are, and it may help you to not only sync up better with yourself... <laughs> but others. And maybe, just maybe, it's a glitch. You know, maybe we're not into regression. Maybe we're just sort of stuck for the moment. But if you measure it individually, society, or culturally, being stuck should only be for a moment. Again, I want to thank you for joining me today on Word with Dave Clay. And uh, if you enjoy the podcast, I'd like to invite you back for the next one. Again, thanks for joining us today, and I want to wish you good health as well, good mental health.